Welcome back to another episode of the Executive Code Podcast. You're very, very welcome to join us here. And we have more questions that we want to get answered to help you on your journey. If you want to find out more about the Executive Code, head over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com and you find all the links there to our community, to different resources, to different books that have been published. Um, so everything's there within the website. Again, www.paulwilliamdavis.com. So, Nicole, what question have you got for us today? So, on one of your earliest episodes, Paul, you mentioned the term a couple of times. You mentioned self-sabotage, right? So, what are some circumstances that would cause someone to self-sabotage or limit themselves, whether in terms of their self-limiting beliefs or deliberately undermining themselves? Why are we sometimes our own worst enemy? Yeah, part of I, I don't feel we intentionally do it. It operates on an unconscious level, so we, we don't intentionally set out to, to limit ourselves. That, 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 that's one thing. It does come back to our beliefs, how confident we are, and also how competent we are. So what I would say in relation to where we perhaps may limit ourselves, it would be under each one of those three headings. Um, so our beliefs, and, and sort of think of your beliefs as it's what you absolutely believe to be true. So if your beliefs are that you can only achieve a certain level of success, well, then that's what you're going to believe. And therefore, that's the that's the ceiling that you're actually putting on yourself. So it's an unconscious ceiling. The confidence is how confident you are. And the more confidence that you build, well, then the actual more you're actually going to push yourself. And as I said in the previous episode, confidence is made up of skills, knowledge and experience. Sorry, confidence is made of the self-care, self belief and self-worth so when you start working each one of those three pillars now you're going to build your confidence and the more confidence you build well then the more you're actually going to push yourself competence on the other hand is made up of skills knowledge and experience so if you feel that you're not competent in a particular area well then it's unlikely that you'll try and do the task or the experience whatever it is in, in that area because you don't feel competent. If you take yourself, Nicole, in relation to, well, you've you've flown particular types of aircraft, but you haven't probably, perhaps, I don't know, you can answer this one, you probably haven't flown an F-16, so as an F-16 fighter jet. So that's a very, very different set of skills. So you may limit yourself from the perspective of, well, okay, no, I don't want to get into that particular jet because of, your, your beliefs, your confidence, and your competence. So this, the same thing applies for every single individual, whatever it is that they want to achieve. Would it be right that you haven't flown an F-16, Nicole? Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> Not yet. I wish uh, I have, <laughs> but no. <laughs> yeah. So our, our beliefs are about what's possible. Now, our beliefs will also keep us within our comfort zone. So it's about what is it that is going to push us outside our comfort zone. Now, when we have an inspired vision of what it is that we want to achieve, and that inspired vision, what I mean by that is it's intrinsic within ourselves that we want to achieve it. We're absolutely driven to achieve it. Well, then we will find a way to actually achieve it. Now, are there things that are going to show up in your life from the perspective of that you don't really want to do it? Yeah, of course they are. So take, for example, you know, I don't like recording podcast episodes on my own. I don't like doing recording video 
on my own. I, I don't like doing it. So why would I do something that I don't like doing? However, I found a way around it and I found a way of doing it, meaning hence the reason why I have Nicole with us and join us and asking questions and what she wants to find out more about. So when you're driven to achieve what it is that you want to achieve, you'll find a way to actually get to do it. So you'll push yourself in some respects out of your comfort zone, but you'll find a way to actually achieve it. So it, it starts with beliefs. Now, where, where our beliefs come from is our childhood. It's our growing up. It's, it's how it's society. It's whether it be our parents, our schooling, you know, the society that we grew up in. All of those elements feature in how our beliefs are formed. And it's very hard to move somebody. It can be done if you get enough evidence, which is part of the work that we do within the executive code community. But when you get enough evidence, now you can start to move people's beliefs from what they currently believe to be absolutely true. So when they start to see the evidence in their life, now they're actually able to take on new beliefs that are more empowering for them to move forward. That's the difference. If you look at from also from the perspective of there, there's people that grow up and because of their circumstances that they grew up in, they make a decision. And that decision is based on whether they want to be the hero or the victim in their life. So you can have, for example, you can have two twins grow up in the same exact same household and they may consider their circumstances as being absolutely desperate in growing up. And you have one twin, so they're exactly the same age, maybe give or take a few hours, but they're exactly the same age. They've grown up in exactly the same circumstances. They've taken on different perceptions of their experiences and their moments as growing up. In other words, they've taken on different beliefs. But you can have one of those twins achieve huge levels of success in their terminology of success or their definition of success. And you can have the other twin not achieving the same level of success as the other twin. And the reason being is because one has decided to be the hero, whereas the other has decided to be the victim. And what I mean by that is the hero in their life. If you go back to the universal law and the law of cause and effect, you are responsible for everything that shows up in your life. You're responsible for everything in your life. So being the hero, you are now in control. Being the victim, you're handing that control over to somebody else. It's external to you. So the more you understand the law of cause and effect, now you can become the hero. But unfortunately for a lot of people, they like and continue being the victim. And even though they consciously say they don't like being the victim, unconsciously, they still want to continue being the victim. So that it, it happens all the time. You mentioned one thing in relation to self-sabotage, Nicole. Think of front of person. So one aspect, just for people to understand, if you take your, your genius role, and we, we, we've talked about genius roles on previous episodes, but every single genius role. So I've identified 10 different genius roles, and an individual will unconsciously play one of those roles throughout their whole life. And that genius role is the best role that they can actually operate from in order to best fulfill their purpose. But there's a shadow side to every single genius role, and there's a frustration point to every single genius role. So it's that shadow side that can cause the self-sabotage. It's the frustration point that can also cause the self-sabotage. So that's how there, there's shadow side to ourselves. There's different triggers that we have, emotional triggers that we have. So all of those together and our beliefs 
is where we're actually limiting ourselves and self-sabotaging ourselves. We, we, we don't push ourselves. If one of the things that it's, let me put it this way, if you have somebody that is external to you, well, then now you are more likely to achieve an awful lot more that you want to achieve. And what I mean by an external person is whether you coach, a mentor, or somebody that you are somewhat accountable to. So some people operate on their own, which is absolutely fine. But the people that set goals and objectives and the people that set and that have somebody working alongside them by way of a coach or a mentor or whatever, achieve far greater levels of their definition of success than other people. And the reason being is there's that accountability piece. There's the, the side whereby people are your, your coach or your mentor is able to see things where you are actually limiting yourself and you are self-sabotaging. So they're able to see and observe those things and or to help you through that. One of the things that we brought into the mastermind group that we have, the, the, the weekly mastermind meeting that we have within the executive code community was the accountability piece. And as soon as we brought that in, what, what we observed after maybe two or three weeks was that everybody loved the accountability piece because they were actually achieving and making much more progress from having that accountability piece as part of the mastermind group. And that's been huge for, for people. So that just proves that there's part of ourselves, a human nature, is that we want to have that element of accountability. And then that's where we will push ourselves outside the comfort zone and we will achieve much, much higher levels of success that we want to achieve. And some of that, I think, also stems from comparing ourselves to others, right? Because if we don't believe that we are good enough, and especially when we see others doing better or um, we think we cannot achieve the same levels of success or competence that they have, then that definitely affects our confidence. And also goes back to realizing that we are limiting ourselves. It's nothing to do with being compared to that person. That person is not, you know, making making you feel intentionally making you feel bad about yourself hopefully but it's just you yeah it's it, a per- perfect question because oh i'm so glad you cut you touched that because it's one of the areas that we covered within the executive lounge and it's about dissolving emotional triggers and to understand it when you're comparing yourself to somebody else you're judging yourself so when you're putting somebody else higher than you meaning you think they're better than you in some way you're putting yourself down. So in effect, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the pit and you're putting self, somebody else up on a pedestal. Now, there are other times where you will also put yourself on a pedestal and you'll put other people in a pit. So ultimately, what you're doing is you're judging, you're making that comparison, both of yourself and of others. But by doing that, you're moving yourself out of equilibrium. But when you actually realize, okay, so what are the traits within the individual that you're observing in other individuals, whereby that you're looking up to somebody or you're looking down on somebody. When you start to dissolve those triggers, those emotional triggers, because it's those emotional triggers that are setting you back. When when you actually get to dissolve those triggers, now they no longer have that trigger. They no longer have that effect on you. And therefore, now you're in equilibrium and now you can move forward and move up to higher levels of success. And it was uh, episode 14 of Anyone Who Wants to Go Back and listen to the difference between competence and confidence and Paul talking about how the three aspects of building competence and three aspects of building uh, self-confidence. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the last part is what is 
what is the best way to, you know, dissolve emotional triggers? We, we talked, you mentioned about that. Are there any ways uh, that we can start doing that like right away? Yeah. Join the executive lounge. <laughs> that's, that's, Attend the mastermind meeting. <laughs> that's the fastest way of doing it. Um, the reason being is because yeah, we've we've actually gone through this with with, with the the members of the executive lounge, and all the videos are there as well in order to, in order to actually dissolve and um, the emotional triggers. But ultimately, what you want to identify first of all, let, let's just um, give give it a stepping stone for people. What you want to identify is that if there's somebody that you are looking up to are looking down to. So you're comparing yourself to somebody else and you're getting that trigger, meaning there's, there's something within them that you either dislike or that you like. It, it depends on what side you're on. Let's just take somebody that you dislike. There's somebody in your life that you perceive that you just, you there's something about them that you dislike. That means, therefore, that you're putting yourself up and you're putting them in a pit. That's ultimately what you're doing when you're comparing yourself to somebody else in that way. When you start to look at that individual and now start to identify what are the traits within that individual that you dislike and start to identify those traits, first of all. And when you identify those traits, now you got to realize that, first of all, there's over 4,000 traits. To be precise, there's 4,628 traits. But every single human being has every single one of those traits. It's just a case that we haven't identified the traits within ourselves that we see in others that we dislike. And equally, we haven't seen the traits within ourselves. We haven't owned the traits within ourselves that we like or that we dislike in other people. It works on both sides. So there's traits that you'll see in other people that you like, and there's traits that you'll see in other people that you dislike. So when you identify those traits, the ones that you like and the ones that you dislike, I, that's your first stepping stone is to identify those. And then we have to bring you through a process of identifying those traits within yourself. And when you identify those within yourself, and then you begin to own them, because those are, there's a whole process that we go through in order to own those traits. Now that trait, you now own that trait and therefore the trigger is neutralized. When that trigger is neutralized, now those individuals don't for one bad word, emotionally trigger you. You won't compare yourself to those people any longer. And therefore now the trigger is dissolved. When you get to that point, you get to a point of love with those individuals. And that's ultimately where we want to get to. Because again, if you go back to what we discussed before in relation to genius pendulum, the executive code and being in equilibrium, being in equilibrium is seeing both sides. And being seen both sides is love. That's ultimately where we want to get to. It's part of our overarching purpose in life, which is to love. So that's perhaps maybe just the first stepping stone is to identify those traits. And then to identify those traits, you've, you've got to go through process. And the easy way is literally, yeah, join the executive lounge. How do these emotional triggers come about? How are they formed? They're formed by our perceptions of growing up in our formative years in the short answer. Yeah. So think of it from the perspective of mo what most psychologists will say is that our formative years go from zero to age seven. I go a little bit further than that. Again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a psychologist or anything whatsoever. It's just my own sense and my own work with, that I've worked with people and, and, and clients and so on. I'll go before zero, so while you're in the womb, 
right through to in around age 12. So we're still forming um, our belief system, our understanding based on our perceptions of that time. So our perceptions are what we take in from all our senses, hence the reason why you can be, um, you can take on your, your, your view of the world, your beliefs by being in the womb because you're, you're sensing what your mother is feeling and you're picking up sounds. You may not be able to see anything, but you're able to pick up the sounds and you'll be able to pick up the senses and the feelings and the emotions of everything else from literally just doing that as well as the physicality. So in those formative years, meaning pre-zero as in the, the time that you're um, in the womb to up to, from my perspective, up to in around age 12 is when we're actually forming those beliefs and those we're now starting to form those emotional triggers. So it's those perceptions that we have that throughout the rest of our life. Now, something that we had in, in those formative years will be triggered in time to come. So that's ultimately where, where they are originate from. Now, can somebody develop a belief and emotional trigger later on in life? Absolutely, of course you can. So think from a point of view of, you know, something happens in your life and, and it's, it's, it's a significant event or take, you know, a very, very common one is that, that you know, when it gets to later in life and, and people are getting into relationships, well, then you'll often hear, you know, either party say, well, they've gone through maybe a series of different relationships and they've gotten for one better word burnt from those relationships well now they're now starting to form a new belief about a certain type of people so we can still create beliefs in our life it doesn't necessarily have to be in the formative years we, we can create beliefs even if you go back over the pandemic over the last couple of years the the beliefs that were created over those two years is huge it's phenomenal and once an individual is stuck on a particular belief, they will defend that belief as much as they possibly can. And that's where the divisiveness came about in relation to pandemic. And therefore, you have people literally pitting against each other. You'll see it in, in you know, politicians in terms of people that follow a particular party in politics. You'll see those beliefs and they will absolutely stand firm on their beliefs. But until such times you actually find the evidence to, to the opposite, now you can start to work with those beliefs and those beliefs will, will create those, those emotional triggers. And so it seems like a lot of it, you know, depends on how, how well we were parented as kids, right? Because we're going from before birth where there's not much we can do to up till 12 years old, you said. And so I'm sure there are some uh, listeners that are parents. Is there anything that and this is not a parenting, you know, podcast, but but is there anything that parents or people who who parent uh, can do to help make that a better environment to reduce the amount of emotional triggers that a kid, you know, grows up with or ends up having? Yeah, but that goes on the premise that there is such a thing as bad parenting. <laughs> I don't know. That's going to be a challenge for a lot of the listeners. Because some people say, well, no, okay, yeah, of course there's bad parenting and there's good parenting. But the law of duality is there's always both sides. So it gets back to how you perceive your world. So again, if you go back to the example in terms of you can have two twins growing up and they could consider their life as being, you know, hugely harmful or abusive or whatever it might be and so on. 
yes, there is, it, it's a perception, but there's always both sides. Law of dualities, there's always both sides. There's always positive and negative. There's benefits and drawbacks in every single moment. So it's from that and how you use that in order to propel your life going forward. So that would be my first premise in terms of I wouldn't look at whether you're being a good parent or a bad parent. It's a case of, no, there's always both sides and therefore there's benefits and drawbacks to both sides. So that, that's my first premise and that, that's, that's my benchmark from, from, from that perspective. Don't get me wrong. Is that going to upset an awful lot of people? Listeners, of course it is. But until such times you actually find the research and you go down into it and understand it, well, then now you can actually make a more um, reasoned approach to it. Now, is that to say that we want to bring our kids up in harmful situations? No, we don't. We do. I don't think the vast majority of human beings intentionally go out to harm anybody else. But if you go back to my first premise or my first, um, uh, you know, statement in relation to the purpose of life, our purpose of life is to be the genius you that you are, the unique you. It's to experience, to love, and to evolve. So part of that is to love. To love is both sides. So that's where being a parent, you'll get, you'll, you have to have both sides. So sometimes, you know, in, in some circumstances, you get one, one parent, as in if, it, if it's a dual parentship, you get one parent whereby they're, you know, the hero, and you get the other parent, which they're the victim, meaning that they're, they're, they're the villain, sorry, not the victim, they're the villain. So you get one parent that's always nice, and you get the other parent that's always mean. So there's always... There was always both sides when it comes to kids. But it's ultimately from the perspective of you don't intentionally go out to harm any other human being. And when you know who you truly are, well, then, of course, you're not going to go out to harm any human being. But if you feel that you're, for one better word, you're being a, a bad parent because of different things that have gone on, no, there's benefits to the different things that have happened for everybody involved. So and I know that's really, really tough for a lot of people to, to listen to and, and to hear, but until such times you really, really understand it, well, then now you can see how everything is absolutely perfect just the way it is. So the best thing that each of us can do is to focus on dissolving those emotional triggers so that we can move forward, you know, try not to self-sabotage yourself, uh, you know, limit yourself, to be able to live out your life fully it's it's one of the things yeah it's it's it it is one of the things the other thing that would go hand in hand with that is when you know each of the elements of what makes up your true life purpose and you work with the two of them hand in hand yeah that that's when you now can start to reach your full potential awesome okay cool that's great i hope you enjoyed um this particular episode if you want to find out more information about what we discuss within the Executive Code community, come on over and join us. All the links are on our website. So if you go over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com, you'll find all the links there to our community, to the resources and everything else that we have available for to help you on your journey. Um, and also all the links are within our show notes. If you want to be part of the podcast, come on over, ask the questions, let us know what are the questions you want to get answered. And if you don't want to come onto the podcast yourself, you don't, don't worry, you don't need to. You can submit the questions and Nicole will ask them on your behalf. Um, again, just head over to our website and you'll have the facility there to, in order to um, submit those questions or you can submit the questions within our community itself. But until next time, I wish you every success.